everyone. I'm Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Back at you again with part two of the March of the Machine story. Today, we're going to be covering chapters six through ten in the best way we know how by Kyle reciting from memories from some notes and me just jumping in with stupid things to say. Anyways, like always, let's get started with a little bit of housekeeping. We, as always, appreciate all the support that you guys give us. Every share you count, every you know, new person you tell about us helps us grow as a channel, and we just you know, suck in every second of it. You know, in the meantime, in between sharing with all your awesome friends and strangers that you know, hit us up on our socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Casual Tutors. We have an awesome Discord that is slowly growing where we talk about spoilers, deck reviews, deck help, just general memes, all the good stuff that you would expect from, you know, a Discord channel about Magic the Gathering. And, you know, check out our YouTube and Discord. I am super behind on uploading our episodes into YouTube, but it is something that we do and something that I am working on. And we have TikTok, too, where if you like memes and stupid little cat cut edits of MTG videos and spoilers and stuff like that, be sure to check it out. Anyways, without further ado, we got Kyle here, so we're just going to jump straight in to Chapter 6 of March of the Machine. Okay, and I'm going to try to go a little faster instead of just, like, droning on. But Chapter 6, uh, right out the gate, we're basically thrown into Sarah kind of working with Elspeth. And it's not apparent in the beginning. Eventually, they do use names, and so that's how we know that it's those two. It's a little weird. After reading this chapter, I'm actually almost positive that the shadows that we're talking were them. They jump between planes. They start. So it starts with them kind of going through and talking. Um, they say some weird things like wounds like that belong only to the flesh, which I guess makes sense since they're like in whatever astral thing. But it sounded very Phyrexian, which I was like, well, that's weird. We are angels. We are better than thou. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like she shows them what's going on in New Capanna, basically, uh, Sarah shows Elspeth and they kind of talk about like where Elspeth is needed. And this kind of like, in order to unlock your power, you must choose correctly on where you are needed. And, and so it's like, Oh, New Capanna, this place that I know I'm from. And then they jump to Theros and she says, uh, and then there's this like Theros welcome home thing, which is kind of cool. Like the, the you know, you might be from Nuka Pena, but where did you actually build your home at? Right, like the, not the second coming, uh, you know, sticking to the Easter theme since we just had Easter, but just <laughs> kind of where you chose to develop yourself as a person. Exactly, exactly. It is a little confusing because at this point they haven't told us exactly that Sarah, and at first it like appears as their mother, and then in Theros it appears as Daxos, and so it is a little weird and confusing, especially because the way they like write it and Daxos is also a demigod. So I'm like, is Daxos talking to her? I'm so confused right now. <laughs> yeah. Here's an alternate twist that we totally know does not happen at the end of the story. It's just Tybalt being, you know, Loki again, being the trickster God. Ah, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Everything is solved. I, from there. So they go through, they see this, uh, uh, they see this like temple scene in Theros where a Johnny is being just a huge piece of shit. And it really made me think of how cool it would be to see like an epic fight where Elspeth is forced to kill a Johnny. Like the rightful death for a hero turned villain. Yeah. Then not what happens, but you know, what, what can we do? Yeah, um, definitely 
not good writing. <laughs> yeah. But then we turn to uh new Phyrexia, right? It it's this it's this like where do I where am I needed most, you know? And it's it's kind of the the cut the head the uh, cut the head off the snake kind of thing where she's like, "Oh, I think out of all these planes with Norn still standing, obviously it's never going to change. So no matter what I do on all these planes, it doesn't matter. And yeah, uh, interesting tidbit in that. Urabrask is pulled apart in this fever dream Elspeth is happening, having, which I guess is better than off screen, but. It's like pseudo off screen. Yeah. Just like a memory slash dream. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really strange. They kind of gloss over this, but in her fever dream, you also see that Koth, Chandra, and Ren have been captured. <laughs> like, none of what happened at the end of Chapter 5 matters. Yeah, we're just going to totally ignore that those five chapters existed. Yeah, and and it's... Here's the neat thing, too. Like, they talk about Elspeth's purpose. Like, they see Koth, Chandra, and Ren, and they see, you know, Urbass getting pulled apart. You see Norn sitting on the throne, and she's like, my purpose is to keep Nissa occupied long enough for Ren to reach the tree is basically what they say, which is is cool because it feels like Elspeth isn't the hero of the story that we expected that Ren really is, right? Like none of this. It doesn't matter who's powered up. It doesn't matter who comes back from the void. None of this matters because none of it's possible without Ren, which I actually really like. I like that they don't just stick the same old hero we've seen time and time again on the face of a magic product. I mean, they did that actually. That's exactly what they did. But at least in the story, Ren is really the center point of it. Yeah, because we totally didn't know Elspeth lived through the Brotherhood or Brothers, what is it? Brothers War? Uh, through, yeah, like Just ultimately sacrificing yourself. Through we All Will Be One. Got, or is it All We Want? Yeah, All yeah. We Want. We immediately get spoiled the product for March of the Machine, and lo and behold, there's Elspeth's spear right there in the set symbol. Weird. So, uh, fun fact, it is Godsend. It's not the spear. Which isn't Godsend a spear? No, Godsend is the sword. And the sword? We'll, and we okay. will get to that, why she has the sword back. Fun fact, too, Elspeth does die. The Silex did kill her. Doesn't count. <laughs> uh, they, they talk about her rebirth and her coming back as this angel. Um, and it was Sarah, and Sarah does bring her back as this angel, but she did, in fact, die. The Silex did kill her. Not good enough. Yeah, not good enough. It's also very strange because Sarah's supposed to be dead, and I, I, I don't understand why Sarah can just be here doing all this, puts Elspeth back together, sends her on her merry way with wings, but can't, like, actually help her do anything. Dragging this in the 40K lore. She's just a chaos god. Yeah. Like, omnipresent in the galaxy, but literally capable of doing no direct effect. Yeah, yeah, but that's, I, that's basically all of chapter six. Chapter six is just Elspeth's rebirth as an angel. It's just the process of deciding where she's most needed, and and it's, you know, it's like this cool, like, uh, they finally, she she finally lands on New Phyrexia, like, and it, it's really cool how it happens, too, because basically, Norn like raises her hand to finish off Chandra or who knows I one of them Koth or something like that and all of a sudden there's a flash of white light and Elspeth is back right there in between the two of them with Godsend up blocking 
Norn's strike, which is pretty and cool. And in, in, in the meantime, just giant FU to every other angel that put up the work. I'm automatically an archangel bitch. Yeah, yeah. And and she's definitely powerful as one. Although I will say, angels, dude, angels get some love in this second half of this story. And Yeah, they put in work. They put in work. Um, and so, but yeah, that's, that's chapter six and we'll, we'll go into chapter seven unless Matt has any other thoughts or concerns. Well, I just want to get this done early with, I don't want to take a second to talk about our podcasting adventure, how we got into it, the tools we utilized to get our podcast out to everyone's ears. And that's the gist of it. Super easy. Anyways, let's jump right into chapter seven. A couple of things coming into chapter seven, just a thought of mine. All of this is Karn's fault from the very beginning. I never really thought about that before, but yeah, like he wanted to create this plane of existence and then he didn't want to pay attention. And then he's just like, all right, Memnark, you're on your own. I'm out of here. Like everything along the whole, like leading up to this point is really just Karn's fault. Right. Like the worst project partner you could ever have in grade school. Like re-emphasized on a planar scale. <laughs> yeah. But with that out of the way, all right, back to Elspeth. Um, so, yeah, so basically Elspeth's fully angeled out. She's super badass, golden armor, God sends back. And they, they talk about it uh, later on somewhere. I don't know. But basically, like, all of this is manifested back onto her. So, like, the armor is, like, manifested as part of her archangel powers. God send. It's, it's, they literally say, oh, I'll get down to it somewhere, but it's, like, they, they literally say it's, like, a, fis, uh, what is, what is that word? Facsimile? Facsimile? Facsimile, yeah. Facsimile, yeah. It's, like, a, a recreation of God send with Elspeth's own powers. It's pretty badass because Godsend wasn't like already the most powerful weapon on Theros or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, her healing is also on crack right now. It's actually such a cool scene. She like blocks that hit and then she turns around and heals Chandra and Koth and completely ignores Ellis Norn while Ellis Norn just like starts losing her mind at the fact that this, that Elspeth just showed back up and doesn't even pay her two cents. And never mind the fact that, once again, we're back to just ignoring the effects of viruses all over again. So that's something we're going to talk about. And they actually do mention it. They don't, they don't outwardly say it, but they, they make it seem like Norn has actually altered glistening oil. Made it bitch mode? Basically, it's like a, a Norn could never not be in control, so she made it so that there was no way she would never be in control. Oh, perfect. Norn just ruining everything that was part of the good stuff for us did. Right, which doesn't automatically say, oh, they've changed, like, the way it works technically, but that sounds like it's, you would, you're like, who knows what other side effects are going to have when you start messing with stuff. It sounds like a loophole for bad writing. <laughs> um, I will say that this, like, panic mode and what's going on is is very similar to the vision Ashiok or the nightmare Ashiok showed Norn, which is something I totally forgot about because it seems like so long ago. Another reason this would be a better book than it is whatever this is. But also, where the fuck is Ashiok? Like, I just thought of that. Yeah, she just fucked with Norn that one time and was like, I'm done, peace. 
kind of go do nightmare things. Yeah. It's really cool. Uh, Card makes a point about the fact that he had almost died on New Phyrexia long ago, and there's an intervention between uh, from Venser, Koth, Elspeth, and Malira that saved him. And they talk about how not only are almost all of them there in person, but also Venser Spark lends him strength. So it's, it's kind of neat, but it's also funny that literally everyone's back just to save Karn's dumbass, pretty much. <laughs> Venser Spark that he loses at the end of All Will Be One? Yes, yes, and we will get there. Um, in fact, it's one of the reasons why I actually don't think the story is that bad. I actually am totally content with the Johnny and Nissa back because I think the sacrifice is uh, enough, which I'm, I'm surprised by. But we'll get there in the last chapter. Um, <clears throat> Skeptical. Yeah, it, it's funny to uh, basically Ren finally mentions, not out loud, of course, but in her own freaking head, that she needs the invasion tree to reach out to Teferi to reach Zalfir. And I'm like, why couldn't you just say that before? Why'd you have to be so cryptic and mysterious when really what you meant is get me to realm breaker. So then maybe I can find Zalfir and bring them through rather than he will be here. Yeah. I don't actually know where he's at, but this bitch ass tree does. Yeah. Note about some of the artwork they used in these chapters. Um, Elspeth's borderless art where she looks like she's in like actual, like, steel armor like it's it's actually like metallic looks like shit compared to her other artwork where she looks all golden and angel in like white and gold armor and I have no idea why they use the weirder art for her borderless card they have this there's this like whole like back and forth between Norn and uh, Elspeth where Norn Norn basically says this line She's like, why do you keep standing in our way? This is our calling, the uniting of all, you know, all will be one. And Elsa says what could have been the coolest fucking line. She starts with, I have my own calling. And I'm like, if they would have just, if, if, if this person would have been a good fucking writer, they would have just left it at that. If Elspeth would have just said, I have my own calling and then attacked Norn, that would have been so fucking cool. But instead... It continues. It says literally verbatim. This is what the sentence says. I have my own calling. Elspeth answers. She stands dust falling from her cloak. You won't keep me from it. And I'm like, God damn it. Why couldn't you have just fucking stopped writing? It's like a villain monologue, but written poorly and for the good guy. I know. If she would have said that's if she would have just said, I have my own calling. That's like, have you ever seen Paul? No. Okay. First of all, Paul's a great movie. But there's a, a line in it where this redneck is like, I'm on a mission from God. And Jason Bateman pulls up his gun and goes, tell him you failed and shoots him in the face. That's like one of those moments. If she would have just not kept writing that sentence. I have the God, power of God and enemy on my side. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So this is where they say, you know, the crackling golden God said, and this is only a facility. Uh, Facsimile? facsimile facsimile of the real thing but it's her facsimile so it's not godsend but it's some kind of either uh, you know gift from sarah or from her own power or whatever um just pulled it out of her ass yeah um here the way they make it sound um she basically norn is starting to panic norn is starting to like freak out and lose it and they make it sound like she kills Jin right here 
which doesn't happen. What happens is, is she turns around and like rips Jenga Texas's arm off in anger. Yeah. Talk about being angry. Yeah. Yeah. See this is, and this is where Elspeth starts to like poke at her about, about like, she just got angry and hurt Jen or whatever. And she's like, you disagreed with him. Phyrexia wants you to ignore me, but you want differently. It's like, you know, you know, they start to go like, you want people to worship Elishnor and Phyrexia doesn't matter to you. Power is the only thing you care about. So they, they really do start to explore this. Something's definitely not how we expect it with the Phyrex, Phyresis or whatever. But yeah, so, so there's a lot of talking. There is some back and forth fighting between uh, Norn and Elspeth. Uh, but it, it really leads to Elspeth finding an opening and kind of bolting because at this point the, the main goal is to get Ren to Realmbreaker and they still have Nyssa in their way. Yeah, Nyssa do be a big bitch. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much the end of Chapter 7. So um, do we get any more one-liners that we saw in Chapters 1 through 5? I don't know. I ignore them. <laughs> uh, probably a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to. I had to get through it. Uh, we find out that Ren's kind of a lying bitch. It's <laughs> going back to the fact that, like, all they know is that Realmbreaker probably can go find the fairy, but not sure, and then not actually be able to hear Realmbreaker's song. But you know, the possibility's still there. Yeah, I guess so. Since landing in New Phyrexia, she has not heard Realmbreaker's song at all. <laughs> And she's very unsure with whether she can bond with him or not. Um, is Realbreaker a him? Do they cover that? We Rel- like identify pronouns for this tree. Realmbreaker is referred to as a him. Weird. In the story. Just weird. Why not it? Um Nissa as they're running, as they're trying to get to Realmbreaker, does fatally wound Malira pretty early, which is a little weird because I, I really thought uh, at this point I thought it was too early, but I guess when you really think about it, like these things are probably happening like bam, 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 bam. There's no like break in between these things happening. So I guess it, it feels early, but who knows how long is between this and the conclusion, you know? Also, Malira has like no point in the story anymore. Now that Phyresis isn't that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. I mean, she's the whole reason this and a Johnny get, healed but yeah but everyone else isn't getting sick so like who even needs her yeah and actually we do get one person that still is affected by phyresis in these last chapters which feels almost worse please tell me they bring luca back get him reinfected and then fucking kill him again <laughs> no oh uh, well see i'm already shunned this story there is a part, so she gets the Realmbreaker and she begins to try to meld with him. And there, there is a part where Realmbreaker's also affected. It's, it's like Realmbreaker suffering from Phyresis, right? Like Realmbreaker itself tries to fight against her a lot. But then they do find this like small sapling version of basically the world tree, like a spirit version within Realmbreaker and, and Ren. And, and we go on this whole like trip where Ren and, uh, this spirit of realm breaker are like in spirit form. She says this line, hello eight. She says, let's introduce you to Teferi, 
which is interesting because I heard a lot of people as they were talking about things coming out refer to eight and realm breaker as two different characters and they're not weird. So realm breaker is eight. It's not on the card. That's all we really care about. Yeah. It's on the card. It says Ren and realm breaker, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, they, they have this like, like trippy space void monologue thing where, where Ren is, uh, trying to find Teferi using Eight's ability, and then finally they're able to kind of tear a hole into Zalfir, but like Ren is like coming in and out. So, uh, it's it's actually funny because so so one of the notes I put down is one of the things I realized is Teferi sending Zalfir to the Void actually probably saved them from have from being the only people that have no like major losses. <laughs> Well, I mean, that was the whole point of him phasing out Zalfir, right? Was to save him from Phyrexia's initial evasion. He just fucked up the duration. Yeah, so he just saved them from two Phyrexian invasions. Yeah, right. Totally planned. Like, don't just just ignore like the hundreds of years in between. Yeah, I didn't also realize it was that long. It is. It's centuries in between. Yeah. Um, but not for the Zalfir. But seconds on Zalfir. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and not seconds. It's not seconds, but it's it's. The time is definitely warped. I mean, in the time frame of centuries, it is seconds. Sure. I mean, they still have time to train, though. They're still the the best trained force to fight the Phyrexians because of their time spent in the Void. Also, is, like, Ren communing with the Realmbreaker just kind of like an Aladdin moment? Like, I can show you the world. And then, like, boom, Zalfir. Uh, kind of, yeah. And it's, and even when she gets to Zalfir, it's, it's not like Ren Ren. It's like, She's in this like fire spirit form and like, they're all like, whoa, 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 whoa. Teferi has to be like, she's a friend of mine, which is another point I make that there are a lot of off screen meetings and friends that are brought up in this story that I'm like, oh, okay. So these people know each other. I mean, they're all planeswalkers. They just naturally know each other. Like they look the same. So it works. Oh my God. Yeah, it's it's super cool. So uh, they have this line. So basically, he's like, she's a friend of mine. Prepare yourself. Ren starts to dip in and out like of consciousness. And like she'll like she's there for a second and she comes back. And all of a sudden, there's like thousands of warriors standing at the ready. So you can tell like she's dipping out like for extended periods of time. But she's finally able to rip the portal open. And there's this line where it says the gathered armies of new Phyrexia pour through the gate and freeze in confusion and horror. And it's cool because it's like the first time you see the Phyrexians being like, wait a second, what the fuck? And then it goes, it has been many years since they were called to war, but Zalfir stands ready. Always prepared. Yeah. So it's, it's basically, basically like she's doing this. She finds them and then she rips open this portal to Zalfir and just, days this army thousand strong of Zalfiran warriors mages and healers just pour through into new phyrexia so it's it's a, a really cool like reversal on the phyrexians like oopsies we were here all along you fucked up and that was chapter eight and now let me complain to you about the way they had this fucking story set up can't wait everything on this story has been so great so far i can't imagine what you have to complain about yeah so when you hit the main story on their website um which does not have a next chapter reverse chapter button it goes chapters one through eight 
then the Zendikar side story, and then chapters 9 and 10. I mean, Zendikar is the most important plane, so why not just insert it in the middle there? I uh, honestly, I really, I mean, Nahiri dies, or well, Nahiri's crushed, whatever. I have, I have, um, one line that I really want to talk about on this. I don't care to talk about this side story, but there's one line from Tazri that just says, From above, Tazri watches in horror as her home again, consumed by creatures not from this plane. And I just put in notes underneath that, Fuck, it sucks to live on Zendikar. Zero out of ten would not recommend. And once again, she does like ultimately nothing about it. 100%. I mean, uh, no, that's not true. No, I'm trying to think here. Really, it's Akiri and Linvala that saves Zendikar, but Tazri's there. Right, she's always there. Yeah. Tazri also... Tazri has this halo thing, and there's some kind of weird, like, explosion of radiance from Tazri and from Lavala, and it's like this really weird convoluted story, and it, they never explain it, and so I don't fucking know. Um, Nobody will ever know. Chapter nine, dude. Chapter nine is so fucking cool. Chapter nine starts with the angels of Nuka Penna springing to life from stone. It says, Stone springs to life. Angels that have waited centuries to serve again hear the clarion call to battle. Yeah, so this is Doctor Who shit. Just instead of the angels like following you when you turn your back on them to murder you, they just spring life and kill Phyrex. And um, Atraxa dies in like the first paragraph, um, which I thought was a little bit of rush. They do explain like the Riveters taking like centuries of work apart to collapse this building upon her. You know, it says that it was not the angels nor the demons that killed her, but the city itself. And it's a cool part. And I was a little upset about that until I realized where they were going with the chapter and what they did is way fucking cooler. Who the fuck cares about <laughs> Atraxa? Well, it, right. It's badass. So the Riveters, like, they didn't want to do this because all the fucking hard work they put into building this district. But the maestros were like, fuck, this is our only chance. Like, let's fucking blow this shit up. And the Riveters were like, we agree. Do it here. But you got to do it. And then they fucking just collapsed everything on this bitch. Yeah. And it's cool. But so basically it's like, uh, it's like you start to see that turning point, right? Like it's where, where hope starts to shine through and they really start to fight back. And so Giada, um, I know you're familiar with Giada, Matt. Yeah. The, the little angel bitch yes. that was too young to be worthy of Halo, but was kind of like owned by the gangs, but not owned by the gangs and shit like that. So she has this like, like the, the, the angels of new Cabana have this thing where they can speak telepathically. I don't know if that's all angels um, or if it's just the new Capena angels. One thing that we find out that is specific to new Capena angels is that when they die, they're a fucking halo grenade. That's pretty epic. Like best call of duty perk ever. Just die and drop a grenade. Perfect. Yeah, so they explode into Halo when they die, so even as they're dying, they're still fighting off the Phyrexians, which is cool. Um, I can fucking hear the rage comms right now. But yeah, yeah, fucking rage quitting. Goddamn grenade. Uh, Gaida, so Giada is, I keep wanting to call her Gaida, but I'm pretty sure her name's Giada. Um, yeah, or Giada or some shit like that. Yeah, so she's like using this telepathy to lead the angels on where to go, and basically at this point, Realm Breaker starts to change because Ren's controlling it. 
So these portals that were open from New Phyrexia start opening up to other planes. And so Giada's like, this is where we're needed. This is where we've got to go. Help them out if you can. And so Realmbreaker starts ripping open portals from New Capenna to other planes. And so first Theros and these angels fly through into Theros and start fighting back the Phyrexians, these like super-powered Halo angels. We do. Heliod is like killed in a, literally a single sentence. We barely see it. I'm guessing there's a Theros side story that's more um, uh, into it, but uh, it's literally like the set sentence is so distracted as the god that he does not notice Kaya's violet, violet wreath form upon his corrupted carapace when at last she drives a dagger into his throat. I do like that Kaya kills him because it makes sense if anyone's going to kill a god, it's going to be Kaya, the ghost assassin. See, I don't like that. They keep giving Kaya more and more fucking power. Gods are ghosts. I don't care what fucking plane you're on. Yeah, but if they're like, ethereal, it, it makes like, the most sense out of anyone, in my opinion. I literally, to kill a god, I want genocide. Like, fucking murder millions. <laughs> okay. If, if, right. they're, if they're turned to Phyrexian by faith, they should be destroyed by lack of faith, right? I suppose I do. I do think, well, I think if that was the case, I think this whole Phyrexian thing has been fucked up and none of it. Fucking, I, I right. Mean, you know I, why? Because Horus wasn't running this invasion. Yeah. Bring back Horus. I'm, I'm more upset that the, the downfall of Heliod had no buildup, no action. Just they show up and then there's like literally the angels show up right in time for him to be distracted. Like what the fuck? And then he gets this throat slit. <laughs> Oh, BT doves, I can move in and out and just have these magic little daggers. Yeah. Uh, but it, so it, it kind of showcases that. And then it starts showing that the portals just keep flipping. They keep flipping to every single plane as these new Capenna angels just start flooding the multiverse, fighting back the Phyrexians, um, which is bad. All these angels that were like super hard to find in the original New Capenna story, like talk about them being like wiped out to get Halo and shit like that. Suddenly, like secretly, were all just statues. No, they were all statues in the New Capenna storyline. They were all turned to statues in their fight against Phyrexia. The problem was is they couldn't the they couldn't get the Halo from the angels uh, in the statue form. Right, but like, and now they're suddenly able to just magically not be statues and go fuck up Phyrexia again. Hey man, I'm not gonna explain how magic works right now. <laughs> Fucking Medusa Phyrexians, those sons of bitches. Um, but so it it kind of speeds through that. Um, the one thing that I'm curious about, I guess, uh, Ren, Ren like is pretty sure she's gonna die at the end of this, right? Like that's the whole thing of this. And so I'm like, I get this, but are all of you? New Capenna angels gonna be stuck on random planes, so there's gonna be angels all over the fucking place. Angel tribal, only tribal that matters. I guess so. But so finally, the portals turn back to New Phyrexia, and basically, like it's like that that heroic moment where everyone through the portals, the one thing that they can see is Elspeth Terrell, archangeled out, our hero. Yeah, and these angels flood in. They start to fight. As they, it kind of goes back to show as the angels are flooding in from New, Ka uh, New Capenna. The Zalfirans are flooding in from Zalfir. So it's like this badass, like tides turn. There's this, there's this, uh, this line in the story that says the multiverse is afraid of New Phyrexia. Very well, let Zalfir look after that. And I'm like, bruh, 
Zalfirids are so fucking cool. By necessity. Yeah, I I mean, sure. I I, I it's it's this lead up and climax to the story that I did want though, and that I was very afraid we weren't gonna get. I mean, this is chapter nine. This is kind of late for like lead up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, so I was not lead up, but cl- climax. Uh, I definitely think it's. I I think that the problem is is I think, I think one it would have been better written as a book, and I think two I think a lot of the lead up chapters were just bad. I dude I could have read just <sighs> shit. I could have read just six through ten and I would have been way happier. All right, we'll get to that here at the end. But um, then finish chapter nine. Uh, basically, or- there's there's this line where where they talk about New Phyrexia being flung into the abyss and Zalfir finally coming home. And that she welcomes you and yours to to Koth and uh, the Mirans, which, I mean, fuck, at this point, there's only like 50 Mirans left. So if that makes sense, um, it's cool. They kind of talk about they talk about Zalfir's waited so long to fight against the Phyrexians that there's almost like joy in the air during this battle. Like Spartans fighting the Persians. Exactly. Vorinclex is the first Praetor to die on screen that's not by Norn's own hand. Like, I, I can't wait to hear like, what bitch mode way he died. So, it's... <laughs> it is... It is not by any, like, special named character. It's just some random Zalfirin, and it's very Scooby-Doo. It's basically Teferi, like, he's got this time bubble, and he's trying to fight off, like, hordes of Phyrexians and Vorinclex is able to like basically break his concentration and get through. And Teferi literally is like a, like a look behind you. And <laughs> Vorinclex is like, huh? And gets his head chopped off. Fucking dumb. It's, it's very Scooby-Doo. Right after that, you find out that Jin is actually still alive. Just and armless. Just armless. Um, he's on like this war machine with like some creatures Norn like starts to like really fucking lose it. She says this line like, "Why aren't any of you protecting me? I am Phyrexia." Because she's starting to lose the fight against Elspeth. Uh-huh. Um, and then Jin goes against her, and Jin is like, "Your ego is a tumor on whatever talent you may had." Uh, new Phyrexia has evolved behind, uh, beyond you, which I was laughing because I'm like, Jin, I'm like, I get it, buddy, but now might not be the time for a mutiny. Yeah, you're fucking losing. Like, get your shit together. You're just as bad as she is in this case. Yeah, it, and it's just, it's just, it's super strange. They're back and forth. Basically, this leads to a fight. This fight leads to a distraction long enough for, uh, like, Norn to start getting ripped apart by their own creations, and then Jin's distracted long enough for them to, like, retaliate against us, the, the good guys to retaliate against him. And that's when he gets like dropped into the vatas of own creations that kind of eat him. And Norn basically starts to get ripped apart. Uh, she's not dead yet, but she's starting to get ripped apart is basically how it, how it ends that little scene and then shifts to the next. Okay. Um, which is the one scene that I'm kind of like, oh my fucking God. Teferi basically, they, they, they pretty quickly dispatch a Johnny. Like, they fucking, like, bitch slap a Johnny and he falls down. And Teferi's like, no, take that one alive. And I'm like, why? Like, I feel like you're literally jeopardizing the mission. He's my fucking kitty bro, bro. Yeah. Yeah, oh. protect the house cats. Fucking Karn 
pulls aside and goes, wait, no, because this whole time Koth is carrying Karn on like a slab of stone, using him as a shield. Um, <laughs> and Karn is like, no, let me walk on my own. And they watch as Karn forms himself a new body layer by layer. And I'm like, Karn, buddy, are you building yourself a body out of Phyrexian parts? Should we be worried about that? Also, why'd you wait so fucking long to do it? That's, this is also a very good point. Like, if you could have done this the whole time, why were you just, like, laying in the mycosin, slowly fusing with it? <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't know. And I just think it's funny. I have my notes, like, Karn's like, hold up, Tef. I'm going to build me a new body right quick. Yeah, check this. I'm yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so basically, the, the reason he does that is not to walk out on his own. The reason he does that is because after that, he has Teferi hold like time still and he walks up and this is something I didn't know about Karn, but Karn is like super against killing, I guess. He he kind of has been the entire like arc of this story because he didn't really want to do it on the Weatherlight when they were fighting in uh Dominar United and shit like that either. Right. And I've just never noticed it, but I guess I guess for a long time, for like most of his, at least most of the history he's had a card, he's been super against killing. And yeah, that's, it's that's not on war in the spark. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. Um, but uh, hey, they're already dead, right? As long as it's not <laughs> Nicol Bolas. Yeah, sure. We'll just ignore like everything else about magic lore, but okay. Yeah. Um, but it, they, so they bring up this fact. And so it's like this really big, like, like thing for him because he's like, I understand now. I know no matter where we send them, if Norn lives, you know, there's what are the odds of them coming back? And that so, bitch coming back, yeah. Yeah. And so basically, even at this point, he's like, even with her injuries, she may not live, but I have to ensure it. And he basically like sits down next to her, puts her, his hand on her, and disintegrates her. Yeah. Mark fucking Karn be out there crushing, yeah. crushing that Narn. Norn head not the jj but head <laughs> yes i will say by the end of this i did say i i do like that so many backstories have been tied up nicely i feel like this is something i expected from more of the spark that i did not get that we we really get to see you know elspeth's backstory tied up with her finding her way and place and everything Koth's tied up with him having a new home and the phyrexians being gone and him actually being back as part of the multiverse to fairy bringing zalfir back karn uh, cleaning up at least this mess. Who knows what else he's left over the multiverse. Um, I mean, this whole thing is his fault. Sure. But it, it's, it really feels like a lot of backstories have been tied up nicely, which will hopefully lead us to seeing more about some of the newer planeswalkers. Like my boy, who I'm going to talk about in this next chapter who's probably the coolest planeswalker now. Skeptical. So, and that's chapter 10. I mean, that's pretty much the end of it. Or that's chapter nine. Chapter 10, um, that's pretty much the end of it. Chapter 10 is like, uh, let's wrap this all up. Let's, you know, figure out everything else. Cleanup crew, you know? So it's like aftermath, but before we get like the next five stories for aftermath. Yeah. Right out the gate. Tamio's not gone. Her memory thing is permanent. Yeah, she says stupid ghost form. Perfect. Yeah, which I really thought that was like a last chance to say goodbye. But no, she just straight up goes home and she's just this memory thing hanging out with her 
husband, I guess, or the boy's father. I don't know. And the yeah, boy. Well, and, and shout out to one of our Discord members, Mandy, for pointing out uh, Nashi's role in a couple other older stories and stuff like that, kind of giving you a little bit of backstory in our Discord for us. I have a bone to pick with you later, but we'll get to that. With me? No, Minty in our Discord. Oh, I did not see those. I'll have to go back and look. Um, right, because you don't read Discord, you son of a bitch. I'm not a social media person. <laughs> it's the same thing. Um, it is not. <laughs> so um, we do also find out that the Phyrexians are directly connected to New Phyrexia, and maybe more specifically Elish Norn, which is Sahili Ray's theory. So Sahili Ray has the theory that Elish Norn, in a attempt to protect her spot at the top, made it so that the Phyrexians and the glistening oil would not function without her connection. That's right. Cause what could go wrong when you're an egotistical monster, right? That's Sahili's thought because as soon as, um, Elish Norm was killed slash new Phyrexia was thrown into the void. All Phyrexians stopped functioning. If you were like complete metal abomination, you just stopped functioning. The other ones such as the completed planeswalkers fell asleep, quote unquote. Yeah, except like a notable two that we'll probably discuss here in a second. They don't talk about them. Oh, of course not. Why? Yeah, so I, I'm going to have to go and, and, and do some more research on those two because they do not mention them at all. Which oh, is fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah, you know, fucking, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, but that, that's, you know, those already completed fall to the ground as if in a deep slumber, you know, so that they can basically write in, don't worry, guys, completion's not the end. Everything's fine. Yeah, now that you're not a threat, we have like all the time in the world to fix you because this isn't permanent. Don't worry about it. Although, so they have both Nisa and Johnny sitting in a like a little bed thing, I guess. Um, all tucked in. Yeah, but when they bring Nisa back, they really make it seem like they blow her fucking head off. So, <laughs> but she seems well, fine. She, she fucking like gets three arms, and like one of her arms is a fucking her staff and shit like that, like. I don't know how you come back from that without getting like body members or members of your body. They do talk about how Karn basically has been sitting with them because this is like over the course of like days and days, right? And they're working on him. And Karn is using, Karn and Sahili both are using their abilities to pull as much of the synthetic off of them, right? As much as the metal and mechanical bits without like super hurting them. Or where's Koth? I know he went to Zalfir. Koth is here. Like, this is all on Zalfir. Right, right. But if Nahiri's a Lithomancer and Koth is a Lithomancer, why is it Karn? I don't know, man. I don't know what Karn is. Karn is a mechanical master. <laughs> what as is... far as I'm concerned, Karn is a war criminal. Well, yes, Karn is a war criminal. What he is Tezzeret? Phyrexia. Tezzeret is equally fucked up. Right, but, but no, I'm saying, what is he? Because Karn would probably be closer to Tezzeret than he would be to Katha or Nahiri. In... Well, Karn is a construct that was animated by Urza. Mm-hmm. Well, Tezzeret... no, I get that. I'm saying power-wise, like what oh. they do, what their ability does. Um, because Karn just... They're just souped up artificers. Karn yeah. has other shit going on. Artificers, I guess, is what you would call it. Yeah, Karn refers to himself as an inventor. Yeah, Karn has other shit going on. Tezzeret is like straight artificer on steroids. Right. So neat thing here about Zalfir, actually. So Zalfir was a city on Dominaria when mm-hmm. 
it was flung into the abyss. Zalfir, because it was because it switched places with New Phyrexia, is now its own plane in the multiverse. Yeah. Yep. And it's neat too because they Koth mentions this actually, but Zalfir's sons are the sons of Mirrodin. So even though it's mm-hmm. not his home, it's kind of like the two sons of Mirrodin are still in the sky, or the three sons. I can't remember how many fucking sons Mirrodin has. But he mentions that they are the same sons as Mirrodin. Like Darth Vader revisiting Tatooine to see the site where he fucking killed Luke's aunt and uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Just like that. They jump around quite a lot in this last chapter, right? Because they're fixing stuff up. A lot of it, actually all of it takes place on Zalfir, but it's still jumping around a lot. When Teferi gets the acorn, which he grabs literally right before they go through the portal into Zalfir, he just pulls an acorn out of the ash. And this is where I have a bone to pick with Minty. The acorn being the remains of red. Minty is, I guarantee, probably like 110% right about this. But this is a case where I reject your reality, and instead I'm going to substitute my own. That is 100% going to be Groot. Yeah. I don't care if in actuality it's Ren's child. Like, so Minty probably correctly surmised, but... There's two things. So when he first grabs it, he talks to it like it's Ren's child. But when he plants it, and Teferi sits there next to this acorn in the ground for like, I, I don't know, like six straight hours just talking to it, he not only treats it like it's Ren, he refers to it as Ren herself. Which, as a tree, you know, theoretically, if she's like... She's not a fucking tree, she's a dryad. Which are trees, just no, fucking humanoid trees. <laughs> I mean... She... she became an acorn. Tell me how she's not a tree and becomes an acorn. Listen, I told you earlier, I'm not explaining magic to you. And I was going to go into the biology of aspen trees, how they're a clonal organism, and fucking their reproduction is actually just themselves. But you just had to go and ruin everything. I, um, I would not be surprised if we see it's actually Ren, though. I, I would say that there's the, the writing is convoluted enough that they could literally do both options, and I'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Reject your reality and substitute my own. It's Groot. Next, universe <laughs> beyond. Guardians of the Groot Galaxy would be... <laughs> Groot nine. Groot is nine. Groot's more a tree than Ren is. That doesn't make any sense. Groot's more of a dryad. Oh my god, we're not getting into this. Groot's a treant. They're different. I agree, they are different. But they're not different in the way that makes Groot a treant. He makes him a dryad. Alright. Let's enough about Ren. Who cares about trees? I do. <laughs> that that was the joke. Uh, so there is, there is, so there actually is like literally like, I don't know, like one line that's not in re- like relation to Zalfir and that's on Cal time. And that's basically Halder, I think is Tyvar's brother's name, uh, is sitting there waiting because Tyvar jumped into the water fighting the, the world serpent. And so finally Tyvar comes back up and there's this line about, Tyvar is going to be bragging about killing a Phyrexian sea serpent long after we're all dead. And I, dude, I really think, I think Tyvar is probably one of the coolest planeswalkers we have. His, all of his scenes in this were fucking badass. Learning about his power was fucking cool. I don't think he's going to be just that elf guy from Caldheim anymore. I really think he's going to end up with a Garuk-like cult following. Man, I, I, 
I would be on board with that if they let Nista die and he just filled that void. I fucking wish, man. I would have even like uh, cured Garrick fill that void. To be honest, I'm so conf- I'm so confused. Right, well, where is Garrick? Where's Garrick? Where are the twins? Where's the fucking royal funeral? Where's what Liliana did for Strixhaven? Strixhaven. Strixhaven has a side story that I know for sure. Okay. Well, hopefully they talk about Liliana. I know she had that bitch pit. She went back when she was arguing with Chandra, but I, they they do a slight mention of Liliana's okay. That's like the most you get in the main story. She's not dead. Oh, by the way, this planeswalker that we were actively hunting at the end of the war start, we found on Strixhaven, but really did nothing about. We're just saying she's okay. Yeah, everyone's totally fine with her. They were like, oh, she's okay. She's not dead. Uh, she survived the Phyrexian invasion. Uh, everything's she did. fine. Of like all the planeswalkers, Liliana is definitely the most powerful. Uh, like, left w- alive. Without, even, uh, well, pre mending any planeswalker post mending. She's definitely the most powerful. Sure, I would say I would say uh, Soren and Ugin are probably more powerful than her, but I I completely disagree. Like with her with the chain veil and her with retaining the, the powers with she got the from... chain veil, I suppose. Right, but that, that's that's Liliana now. She hasn't like given away the chain veil. She still has that shit. This is true. So, like, of course, you got to take that into consideration. And the fact that she ex- essentially jipped Bolus out of like his, she got free power ups from Bolus essentially because Gideon took her sacrifice. I don't know. I feel like Ugin, I don't, I feel like we've never seen Ugin's full power. Um, I also feel like it's kind of hard considering Ugin's dead, right? He's a spirit. Right. He's been a spirit for fucking essentially all of Magic's lore. Yeah. Oh, and that's, I'm curious. Although, I don't know. He never was more powerful than Bolus. No, that's another one. I think Bolus, obviously not now, but was stronger. Well, actually, now that I think about it, maybe he wasn't because he defaulted to that contract. Like, there's a reason why he put that contract in place, right? Right, because he knew Liliana would ultimately betray him. He had to have some kind of recourse instead of, like, to combat this ultimate power he essentially gave her through these pages. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly and, like, sure about it. I, well, on the Soren front, like, what are vampires? Undead. What did Liliana have ultimate mastery over? The undead. Well, zombies specifically. It hasn't, it hasn't been there explicitly in Magic War, but I don't think it's much of a reach. I, I think you might be right. I think base power-wise, I think, I think uh, Liliana's problem is her, like, Battle emo, well, and her battle smarts aren't that great. I think that there's a lot of planeswalkers out there who have like better strategy skills than her. So to give you like a real quick just idea too, since we're talking about this, these are the side stories you get. So there's that Zendikar one, which is considered, I guess, in the main story. It's it's not in the side stories chapter. It is considered part of the main story. It's just not a named chapter. Or a numbered chapter. I have no idea. But you basically have uh, Strixhaven, which is the very first side story. Then Ikoria. Then Ixalan. Then Innistrad. Then Eldraine. Ravnica. And New Capenna. I know Ixalan's side story is badass. I know stories like Innistrad got a lot of blowback because 
like we get the car Thalia and get Rock Monster, but there's really no mention of her in that story. So there's like that disconnect. And obviously it sounds pretty epic, like Thalia riding a fucking giant battle toad. But for them to leave that is kind of disappointing. Well, and I I kind of get it a little bit because I am a little disappointed with the fact that we see a lot of these cards that their planes don't get mentioned even at all, right? Because we see like Zerg, mm-hmm. like what is it, Zergo and Ojitain? They don't mention Tarkir at all. Uh, mm-hmm. There's I I I I imagine a bunch more examples of those too. If you really started looking through it, and I get it, right? They're invading every plane. Like guys, we get it. They're invading every plane. They're not gonna. We we already said that they wrote too much fucking shit for these for this set. Oh, um, like it should have been a book. But yeah, or even two books. Right? War of the Spark was two books, even if the second one was fucking shit. Yeah. So, okay. So enough of the rant. Well, let's let's finish out what happens at the end of chapter ten. Sure. Um, basically, they start to plan out how they're going to fix these people, and Malira's basically like, "It's going to cost Karna's spark, and it's going to kill me." Like, and Malira's already fatally wounded, but or mortally wounded, right? But basically, she's like, even at full health, this would kill me. I'm giving up my life force cars giving up his spark as the only way to maybe possibly not even for sure work. And of course it does, but whatever. I'm just, I'm glad that there was, there was at least a sacrifice. Not only that, but Teferi had to put a bubble around them and it like literally like drains Teferi of all his power because he has to hold time almost completely still for everyone except for Karn and Malira and it like drains them to the point of exhaustion um, so that they can do this faster than like within like the, the like, you know, within a second. So it doesn't actually take time because they have to literally pull the spark out of them. And it's, it's a pretty intense moment. And I will say that it's actually, it's actually one of the things I'm, I'm pretty okay with in the story. I hate that there weren't consequences. I hate that it was these two because I just don't fucking like these characters, but I'm, okay with the process because it's not something where it's like okay if they find jason frasca they can just fix him you know it's got to be somebody specifically with malira's power that's going to kill them in the process and somebody willing to give up a spark that's able to actually do it like karn is knowing what happens with Vraska and jace this entire thing is bullshit like there is no consequence. They're killing a C-list character, which no matter how cool Malira is, she's a C-list character. Karn has definitely a little his prime. Like he should still be wallowing in the microsynth in the place that New Phyrexia got sent. Like, I don't know. I'm disappointed. Like, perfect opportunity to transition into new character arcs, interesting stories, build on Tybar, build on fucking KO, bring him, like actually make him do something besides have a lover on Ravnica, shit like that. Just fucking drop ball, like drop two balls, like giant blue balls all around. Yeah, I I don't know. Oh, I this know. is interesting. Is that the end of chapter ten. Yeah. Uh, no, it. there's one more thing I want to say. <laughs> uh, fucking Koth goes to like Elspeth sitting in a fucking tree. Okay, not sitting. She's like standing on one foot, like majestically, like an angel up in a tree, and Koth comes to talk to her. And they're talking, and she says this fucking line to Koth. She goes, but I will always be a friend, Koth. If you ever need of me, all you have to do is pray. 
And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, Elspeth, we get it. You're a fucking angel now. This is the dumbest shit I ever heard. There's so like there's a like a complete personality switch. She doesn't talk very much, like during the fighting, obviously, but as she starts to get like speaking roles, she's very like calm and and divine and holy. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Speaking of divinity, this brings me to something I wanted to talk about last week that we didn't like a fan theory I saw bouncing around Facebook or Reddit or something like that. And that's with Heliod being gone, there is a hole in the Thera's pantheon for a god. Who do we know that is from Theros already has a following of devotees and shrines and statues all over Theros? Xenagos? Gideon. Oh, interesting. And he's white. And he's in the underworld because he went right he's not well, he's not in the underworld he's in this weird limbo of not like nicks not this like yeah What's not whatever name? heaven is uh kithian kithian yeah um fun fact uh heliod's not the only dead god Right, I, I know, but he's the only one that's relevant because he's white. Gideon is a white uh, right. character. Well, you know? and yeah. we don't know. They don't mention the other ones. They just say three gods have already been completed when they go to plant complete Heliod next. And so I'm guessing that those three gods are defeated. So, I mean, Phyrexia loses. So, yeah. so we don't like, know who those three bullshit. gods are, but we know four of the Theros gods are dead. Yeah. Or and theoretically, like, if the devotees were Phyrexian and all the Phyrexians went into the stasis or shut down or whatever the fuck happened when uh, New Phyrexia got blinked away, their devotion is no longer Phyrexian, so theoretically they're not. I don't know. I could see it going that way. Uh, I don't think it works like that because they just said that they shut down or those that completed went into a slumber. Um, but, I mean, that's essentially how it worked when they made them Phyrexian. Yeah, but would the gods be completed too, so wouldn't they just fall into a slumber? They they weren't completed because completed is the full on replacement of flesh with machine and that process. Becoming Phyrexian is totally separate. Like you don't have to be completed to be Phyrexian. Yeah, and you think that, but they don't make that seem that way with Nissa and Johnny, who they just kind of bring back. And they're they bring him back. They're not like if Johnny has an eye, I'm gonna be pissed. Johnny's still missing one eye. Okay. See? But that's that's, that's the problem. Easy. But they come back like exactly normal. Like there's literally a picture of a Johnny magically turning from Phyrexian look to normal Leonin skin. Yeah, I don't know. We it'd be interesting to see because Tamio we actually see on screen completion for, like in Ura, not Urabras, but Gingitaxis's laboratory getting completed. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. And like we we don't get that opportunity because obviously she's the stupid spirit thing. Like, but also, like, go ahead. The very end of the story, Nissa and Chandra kiss. So I guess they fixed all that. Must be it is back on the menu, boys. Yeah, yeah, they fixed all that shit that they fucked up at the end of War of the Spark. So, oh, weird. We pissed everyone off. Let's change it again. Yeah. Um, uh, fun fact I just looked it up. Jason Vraska are in, um, no. Vraska at, on Vraxa, Vraska at least was in the Ravnica side story. She's hit by a creation of Ralzarex that actually 
fades the Phyrexian influence from her mind. Dumb. And it doesn't Dumb. it doesn't say any yeah, it just says it says after Vraska was struck by Rao's Eric's switch while invading Ravnica and the Phyrexian influence faded from her mind, she saw a vision of Jace. Whether this was delusion, memory, a psychic facsimile, or a real telepathic projection from Jace is unknown. So Ralph Eric's whole thing is that he essentially is like shoots lightning out of his fucking hand. It's like just a lightning thrower. So what you're telling me is that shock therapy works. He yes, he shorted out Braska. They are machines, right? I, they're fucking stupid, is what they are. <laughs> um, but that's it. Yeah, I don't like it, Johnny and Nissa. There's plenty of other planeswalkers I would have rather seen uncompleted or brought back or whatever. I I understand, I suppose, why it was a Johnny and Nissa. I don't mind that they brought completed planeswalkers back with the way that they did, but God, does it feel like a fucking waste on those two idiots. Yeah, the... Can we kill Luca again? <laughs> yeah. Like, is he back and able to die again? And yeah, the second half of the story was much better than the first. That's all I got to say, in my opinion. So essentially, going back to this whole build-up thing, there was no build-up. And then it was all climax, and then a stupid end. In fact, I'd even say that there was, there was more build-up in the second half. Like, literally, you could read chapter 6 through 10 and be totally content. Dumb. Yeah, and I, I don't think, I mean, I think the whole thing was swapping Zalfir. I think there was a lot of dumb ending stuff with, you know, the closure and stuff like that, but she could have also just ended it after Chapter 9, and it would have been great. <laughs> I, I don't fucking care about this cleanup crew shit. All right, well, any last thoughts on this for you? Nope. Okay, I'm just going to close this out. As always, you know, once again, make sure you guys hit up our socials. We're Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Casual Tutors. We love interacting with you guys. As you heard, we already addressed some issues that I personally have with Minty. Not that I have anything against Minty, because I appreciate everything they do in our Discord and all the engagement they provide. But like I said, I'm substituting your reality for my own, because I want group. Give me that multi-universe beyond. But, you know, check us out. As always, we got a link down in the description of this podcast that takes you to our link tree with every link you could ever want that concerns casual tutors. And we appreciate all the sharing and support you guys have shown us. Please keep it up. Help us grow into something bigger and better. If you got any comments, concerns, whatever, hit us up. We want to talk to you about it. We want to tell you why we're substituting your reality for ours. And we'll probably change anyways, because you guys are definitely more right than we are. Anyways, I'm Matt. And I'm Kyle. And we're the Casual Tutors. Thanks for listening. <laughs>